Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. If there's something I need, I don't already have. I know I'll get it from a good friend. If there's something I need, I don't already have. I know I'll get it from a good friend. Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Lee Curtis, and you're listening to The Good Friend Podcast, presented to you by iHeartRadio. It's a podcast about friendship. We talk about everything. We cry. We laugh. We think about what it really means to be a good friend. And I have conversations with some of my best friends, some people I've never met, and sort of everything in between. So I hope by the end of it that you have a really good sense of what friendship means to me and the people that I consider friends. And I hope you can take those same ideas into your own friendship groups and I hope you enjoy it. The Good Friend Podcast, the show you are listening to as we are speaking. Um, Please don't today. tell me it started already. Oh, it started already because the whole idea here is the way conversations begin and end, they don't have form and function. And so I like, I don't do a formal introduction. People have tuned in. Um, they have heard the fabulous theme song by Emily King. We jump into conversations here because I think that's what friends do. I think they jump into conversations. They do. And sometimes it's a conversation that already started yesterday, an hour ago, 14 years ago. It depends. Exactly. And and then you just pick up that thread and continue it. I also do like, because of the technology, we are 
uh, for the uninitiated audience member, our listeners, um, my guest today is Lisa Bernbach, a dear, dear, crazy dear friend of mine who also is a very talented journalist and podcaster herself um, with her Five Things podcast. And so she is an expert. Are you an expert? (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) And the reason your hostess and hero just snorted when she said expert is because... Is because Ms. Guest knows, or Ms. Curtis knows that there are certain things she can do to set me off, and she <laughs> likes to do it. It used to be in the 80s when we first got to be thick with one another. Tote. Tote. Would you like to bring a tote? Did you tote that to my house? <laughs> It got us going. Yeah. You know, the funniest things. I mean, we have been friends uh, since 19, I believe we met in 1980. It was in 1985. Yes, because, yes, because somewhere in amongst my horde uh, of things, we could get into that too. Totes. Your myriad totes. I have too many totes, and I cannot say no to a tote. (laughs) But we met when Christopher, your husband, your new husband, uh, was making a movie in Paris, France, and my soon-to-be fiancé was a producer of that movie. We met there. It didn't take yet, but it took when you were living in New York and making Blue Steel. Yes. And so we met, I think, in 85, but we and we experienced Henri together. Okay, that that was big. We had a big moment in Paris. And then we got to know one another in New York. And Jamie Lee did the greatest thing that any friend can do. Any nascent friend could do. She passed me a note at a dinner party that she hosted in a restaurant. And it said something like, I want to be your friend. Hmm. Isn't that the sweetest thing ever? So here's what you need to know. Uh, What you need to know is that Lisa is funny, smart, and wicked smart, and wicked funny, and snarky, and is a born and raised Upper East Side Jewish girl from New York City, and I am a born and raised daughter of 
Prince famous Principessa. Yeah. Principessa from Los Angeles, California. Right. And the friendship that I was so excited that we were going to talk today about it because it has been a bicoastal sort of, for the most part, a yeah. bilateral friendship. We have, we have navigated, and I know we're not the only ones, and some of our listeners are going to be nodding right now because we made a friendship with the understanding that chances are that we would never live in the same city with each other for any actual period of time. You want to know something? I wasn't even what, thinking Lisa? Of, I wasn't even thinking that when it started. And I'll tell you why. Um, uh, at that point in my career and life, I was open to everything. I was married to a guy in the movie business. So I didn't want to move to Los Angeles, but there was a chance. But I didn't think of us as never getting to see one another. I thought of us as getting to see one another as much as we could. And, you know, frankly, going out to Los Angeles, which I used to do a lot, you were such a big part of the draw. You know, there are places you can go and there are other places in the olden days, in the good times, that you could do stuff through mail and phone calls and old technologies like that. And our, our patience was greater because we all had more time. We didn't insist on getting the answer now, you know, now, no waiting now. There were, you'd send out a message and you'd get a return. So getting mail from you was always a thrill, still mm. is. Uh, of course, when you're old friends who live far apart, you know each other's handwriting. So you go, in my case, I go to it right away. And um, the whole, I, I didn't, in my mind, it wasn't about where you were because we used to talk on the phone all the time. Right. But nonetheless, a lot of friendships get built through this sort of quotidian aspects mm -hmm. of life. You have yes. shared you have shared children or shared uh, interests. You're at school together. You live in a neighborhood. Neighborhoods create it's friendships. True. And here we were, two women who fell madly in friendship with each other mm. from very different backgrounds mm -hmm. um, and appreciated each other for those different backgrounds. But nonetheless, we didn't really live where no. the other one lived. And because of it, obviously, anytime I would go to New York City, the only person I would see officially would be you. It would be, I'm going there to do, for lack of a better thing, the Today Show for a book I've done or whatever. I'm going there for a promotional tour. I don't, mm -hmm. I never, I don't think we ever, I don't think Christopher and I ever one time said, hey, let's go to New York for like a week. I don't, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, yeah. on some level on our own time, but. No, you did. Just, well, no, you came to Sam's Bar Mitzvah. Okay, but that's that's a very different. Okay. Thing. That's okay. a very different thing. And I didn't come to Boko's bar mitzvah. Bat mitzvah. So I, I mean it's it's it, it it goes both ways. I think my point is simply that you were my destination resort, New and York were, City. New and York, you were yeah. And I was yours in Los Angeles, even if you were being brought out. And I it it makes those trips to New York and your trips to Los Angeles have that special 
intensity because we would see each other. uh, We have spoken a lot to each other, but here we are now in each other's presence. Well, and then in, in the days before life got more complicated, I would cancel anything I had to do and we would meet at your hotel early. You were always there first. I mean, of course, in the lobby. And then we go, we had we had places to go. We had things to try on. We had we had to shoes eat. to buy. We so Lisa buy. and I coined something in the beginning of our friendship, which I I'm sure other people have done, and I hope we get letters and texts. I hope so. Um, to the non-existent website that I know nothing about, but I'm assuming will exist somewhere in the universe of iHeartRadio, mm-hmm. where you can write and say, yes, I did the same thing, or, oh, B, I hate your show, and you should stick to showing your breasts at the Golden Globe Awards. Whatever your opinion, and you're, you're, open, enti- and you're, you're entitled, entitled to, to it, it, which is the beauty of opinions, is that we all have them, is that Lisa and I coined a phrase, friendship shoes. So here's what our thing was. And if if someone listening to this takes this and goes like, oh, I'm so doing that, we, Lisa we and Jamie, will need to know and feel um, honored that we will, you know, be the catalyst for this. So and what tell for- us also what model Birkenstock it is so we can get it. And we can, right. So you have to then show us the shoe so yeah. that we can yeah. enlarge the friendship the group. group. Yeah, yeah. But here's how it would work. We would actually, go that's sh- not a bad idea. Oh well, uh, they're never bad ideas because I know. they're ideas. They grow, and sometimes they take fruit, and and sometimes they die on the vine. But what we would do <laughs> is we would go shopping, and we would go shopping. We would go to the shoe department at a certain store, and we would try on shoes. And we both, <laughs> by the way, we both have big feet. Let's just be like, this is the Friendship of Big Feet uh, podcast. And if we liked this said pair of shoes, whoever made it, no <clears throat> Loblonic. Sorry, I just, <laughs> I got- What I was just, that? I don't know. I, don't I, know. Know. Of, I had a little protein drink in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we would go, wow, I really love those shoes. I love them too. And then I'd say, yeah, they're so expensive. And then I'd say, but (laughs) if I buy them, if I buy them for for you, you, then I can say, but I bought Lisa a pair of shoes. It's her birthday coming up. And you buy them for me. Correct. Saying it's Jamie's birthday or it's Jamie's whatever coming up. It's flag day. It takes the sting out of the big purchase. It's like eating food while you're standing. You're burning a calorie. (laughs) <laughs> it's right. Okay. It's yes. I was yeah. going to say it's altruism. It is. Honestly, it's, oh, it's well, it is you're, too. you're doing for someone else. And by the way, the other beautiful thing of a friendship shoe is that you're buying your friend something that, you know, she already likes. Loves. 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 Not did, I say, likes. did I say like? You said I like. I, I think you love. meant love. I, I meant think love. you meant love. Yes. Yeah. So we, but the, but the other thing that your listeners should know if they care is that. If last, they exist, by the way. <laughs> I, I take, listen, I take nothing for granted ever. I think you know that about me. 
I do not take things for granted. So I'm hoping somebody is listening to this conversation right now, but I cannot tell you that they are in well, this moment. That's the the funny thing, just to make an aside from an aside, is that when you're podcasting in advance and you're not live, it feels like, and I know I've told you this before, hello, it's Lisa speaking to you from my fork. You know, it doesn't <laughs> even feel real, but it is real. Uh, well, and what's real is the feelings of the friendship, which is what started this whole show, was the idea of talking about friendship and all of the different iterations that friendships have. And ours is particularly unique, both given our very different Outlooks. backgrounds. Uh, backgrounds. Yeah. Um, the thing that you all need to know is, even though I have played a bad girl before on TV, I am a good girl. And Lisa was a good girl. So she she used to do a podcast or a radio show where I think her handle was like the least sophisticated. What was the fabulous handle about your... The, uh, the Lisa Burbach show? Yes. Lisa was, I was the best dressed woman in radio. No, not that one. The like the the one well, you were the best. Oh, you were the boss of me. No, not that I was the boss of you. Although I am, the, I am the boss of her. No, it was not that. It it's had true. to do with that you were like the most unsophisticated. You were oh like yes, yes. But what was that saying? I don't remember. But I it was something like, like you were the most uncool yes. person. I also felt that way. I I was not. I was not, uh, you know, with a faster crowd. I was, I was definitely a little nerdy. Not as nerdy as you. No one. Not was. as nerdy. No, I understand that. Um, <laughs> but I, but I, I definitely had. Uh, that there were similar aspects of that, but beyond that, there was nothing similar. You are an academic. You were an intellectual. You went. Listen. To, oh, oh, don't shake okay. your heads. Okay, you guys. Get, no, you have to be quiet. I'm the host. Um, you know, this woman is incredibly smart and talented as a thinker and a writer, um, as a journalist, and you know, went to Brown. Um, you know, <laughs> you don't go to Brown. Um, I didn't go to Brown, by the way. I went to the University of the Pacific for two months, uh, the school where my mother was the most famous person to have ever graduated. And somehow my 840 combined SAT score and my C plus C actual straight C um, academic record, um, I think somehow was a draw. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, what's important, though, is that the differences of our lives and our origin stories and our families, um, it, 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 it bonded us in such a way. I didn't have another friend like you, and I don't think you had another friend like me. That's right. That's right. And, and for me... Your choosing me as a friend with that note was the first time anybody ever did that. Also, the last time, but it was it was it was uh, it was the greatest compliment, one of the great compliments of my life because I didn't want to bother you. You were a celebrity, you know, and I was only included because of my husband and. It was it was saying, you know, uh, I'm taking you on, as you would say, on your terms, 
yeah terms. terms and and the and the other thing is that and I don't know who else you've interviewed on your wonderful podcast but your your being famous made me instantly protective of you hmm. because wherever you went people knew it and as soon as we did projects together, which we've done over the mm -hmm. years, people knew that we were friends and they all wanted something from you. People I knew well, people I didn't know well. And so I've tried to, from 3,700 miles away, to enclose you in a little bit of a protective bubble. And I think our friendship bubble has been a safe zone for both of us. We have delighted each other with friendship shoes, with a lot of comedy. There's a lot of laughter. My husband, as you know, th thinks you're uh, as funny a person. Oh, don't make that face. No, I it's know. true. Uh, but oh, you I didn't know, know that. that. Well, of well, course you know that because he has, he has said so to you. It is a component of our friendship is you're wickedly funny. And um, you, you know, this, our friendship bubble, as you described it, I, I do think I want to explore a little more about asking somebody to be your friend. Um, I think that we're all trying to do the best we can. We're all, if we're lucky enough to be married, if we're lucky enough to have a job we like, if we're lucky enough to have children out of that relationship or <laughs> in spite of it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, touche. Bingo. Um, yeah. Bingo. Um, Ingo. 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 Ultimately, if you're able to do it and have a life, the idea of hoping that your life is going to intersect with another f woman in a close relationship is, is a little bit up to the gods. You know, you have to throw it up and say, ah, well, I hope out of this group of people in my life of busyness and a marriage and a child and, and a job, job and that I love, that am I going to be able to make relationships? And as we said at the beginning, you know, it's sometimes with your school friends, it's sometimes with a neighbor. But when people actually do say out loud, I would like to be your friend, it's it's a real gesture of vulnerability totally. and fragility. Um, you're risking, you know, this isn't a... It's not a done deal, and it, it may not work. And it's, it's exposing an aspect of yourself saying, I also need and want a friend right. like, like you. You know, like, I want a friend like you, and I would like us to be friends. And it's going to mean work. And it's Well, gonna mean I saw that. I saw that. I've learned a lot about friendship from you, as I've told you in the past. But the, and, and we need to talk about my jealous streak also, because that's honest. We have to talk about that later, if there's a later. But, oh, there'll be a later. Are you kidding? Okay, so this, this is our time, Lisa. Oh, that sounds like a menopause ad, doesn't it? <laughs> That'll yeah. be a conversation. Yeah. Yes. Um, so finish your thought. No, there is work involved. There is work. 
It's and the work is just being honestly, just being thoughtful, just having a little, you know, I love those. I think they're called. Now I just forgot what they're called. When a when you see a graph of the brain, it'll say appetite. It'll say memory. You know, phrenology. I think it's called. Yes. Well, they have those phrenology heads. Right. So, in a frontal part, would be my closest friends because they deserve it and they give it. And I think that for people who've been friends now for thirty years excuse me, 30, probably. Yes. I can't do math. Um, you know, to stay in that very special, there, there's just a special place that you have in my life, in my heart and in my brain. And the work of being a long distance friend is both harder and easier. I'll tell you a story that I haven't told you. And that is maybe the first time I stayed in your house as an overnight guest, your whole breakfast, your coffee routine. Like if you're a best friend and you're going running together, walking the dogs together, you pick up and drop off from nursery school together, whatever it is, you know, your, your person's cups, you know, the way they take their coffee, you know, sure. the routine. But I never knew that about you. You know, that's that's a thing that one would know. I mean, yes, there I've are many. I've had a cappuccino with you in a restaurant, right? But but there are many. There are many aspects of those of, quotidian, as you put it, those daily little things that you don't even think about, and and but they're there, and they're a very big part of each of our lives. And it's the, it's, to me, you said it's the fun, it's also the sadness to me. Yeah. Of that I kind of know that there's going to, that there will be and are aspects of our friendship that I will never know about you. Even, even when I come to you in New York and can do a deep dive, whatever the circumstance, by the way, be it in sadness when your dad died, that that feeling of of your family, your family has included me in their lives, um, in a way that makes me feel very special. I, as you know, I loved your dad, um, and that has always felt very special to me. But there are big, big chunks of yes, your life of of better. Who knows? Right. That I really am never. I couldn't tell you the answer to the question. I know. And there is in a long distance friendship with all of the joys of it, and there are obviously fantastic joys to it. There are aspects of sadness to it. Yes, um, absolutely. And I couldn't be with you when your mom died. And also there've been times when I was going to come out and see you for something or another. And you said, don't, please don't come out it's going to be a small ceremony or please don't come out for this. It's not going to be worth it. I'm only having my really close friends and, you know, but there are times where you want to hold each other and you can't, but there are also times when something so crazy happens in the world, crazy, funny, not crazy, bad. I want to pretend that we're going to have crazy, funny again. 
And I just want to call you and say, Army Hammer is a cannibal. <laughs> and then hang up the phone. Right. You right. know? If there's something I need, I don't already have. I know I'll get it from a good friend. If there's something I need, we'll be I don't right back have. with more good friend after this quick break. So stick around. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. We've watched each other change so much. And I guess it's just aging. But, you know, there was a time when we watched the Oscars together over the phone. So or we- so let me set that up for a second. Because, okay. of course, I thought of that. There was a period of time. And, and for It was very those- joyful, by the oh, way. Oh, no, it was joyful. For those listening and for any celebrity listening- um, should you be listening? There was a period of time where the word stylist didn't <laughs> exist. What? Nobody had stylists. Right. There were no stylists. There were. It was not a career. Oh, it was way not a career, and it was way not a uh, an ambition a, a, of every young girl. But it was also not a portal by which I could go through to get help. Right. So. The joy of award shows were primarily, <laughs> it used to be people actually went out and bought clothes for award shows. Or, you know, if they didn't buy them, they were lent them by a designer. But it, again, it was not an organized activity. That became something now that has been, you know, sort of uh, turned into an, a, a cottage industry. 
And there are now, obviously, fabulous people who do that job. Who are celebrities now in their own right because From of that. doing that right. job. But in the time when they weren't, we used to love, we used to love a good award show. Uh-huh. Uh, I have subsequently stopped loving award shows right. and almost don't even watch them anymore. But there was a time when we were younger where award show season for us was a season. And it was a season. We like used, used to, to have be. an open telephone line from the first hour of the people walking up to the end of the show. Sometimes we would say things to each other. Sometimes we would just watch the show and make a, a, a you know, and by the way, I'm 62 years old. I apologize now to anyone who didn't know that I made fun of them for what they wore. And by the way, or what they said, come on, or what they said, but also, you know, heap on to the myriad times I've now been in the public eye, been wearing fancy clothes that are not the clothes I wear every day and have publicly spoken at things in unexpected moments. And I'm sure I, it's open season on me too. It's not, uh, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm, I, what I'm trying to do is yeah. just be careful. I'm not sitting in judgment. Like I'm, I just think there's that they are by themselves award shows, a very fascinating um, uh, subculture. Yes. And when we were watching them also, let's be honest our families and you, yourself, your husband, my husband, were in the movie business. And we felt a little bit like we had a stake in the proceedings because our friend was in it or our friend shot it or the sound got whatever. So we did care more. And this was before, I don't know if your audience will believe me. This was before the invention of Ryan Seacrest. So <laughs> It wasn't organized. There was no cami cam or manny cam or puby cam. It was just rougher and more humble. And we watched it also for the joy of it. You know, we loved a certain movie and we wanted it to win. It was and it was a part fun. of our life. Yeah. That was a really wonderful, fun, funny snarky, safe, snarky, mm. um, silly, mm-hmm. uh, not serious, not. I, it was just silly and fun. And then my mother would pick up the, would start calling in every time Angelica Houston <laughs> was on screen and say something ridiculous. It was, it was funny. And we used to do it now. I mean, one day I think I was, it was the eve of the season. And I was getting ready. Also, it meant a lot of a lot of contact with you, which I always loved. And you said, "We're oh, I'm not into it anymore." And I thought, "Oh, what? What am I going to do? Oh, I'm not into that competition. It's so silly." So I thought, "Okay, I guess I'll have to watch with Lori Grad," which I did. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, it's probably that I. It just had to do with. Well, there are more shows. There are more award shows now. And by the time of the Oscars, it's all everything's a foregone conclusion. It's less exciting. It it also just it 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 obviously my 
my interests changed and and I had moved into a different mental space about the whole idea of all of it. Regar- regardless, the other thing you need to know about us is, and I'm sure we are not the first friendship to have pet names. You know, the, the <laughs> great thing about uh, being a good friend is, of course, you're together through thick and thin and, you know, you suit up and show up for each other. And that, of course, is going to be a chorus of conversation, um, you know, as long as this show is on, that will be a a continual conversation about how a friend, how important that is for friendship. But there's also, as we've just discussed, there's this, the trivial part of it, which is Mm -hmm. actually also fun, the friendship shoes, Mm -hmm. which are fun and fabulous. Which I need to say, you threw yours out because this was like 15 years ago, probably 14 years ago. You still have yours. Of course. Of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. uh, For the uninitiated listener, I'm someone who divests daily. Um, I'm trying to boil it down to two items. If she could, she would live in a a house designed like by a boat designer so everything was built in yes i i would live on a boat she would have four black tops four black bottoms yep two pairs of shoes and be done done i know but what i was going to say is we have a mutual friend who's also going to be on this very podcast uh the very talented very hilariously fighter janice hirsch and we it was a bit of a triangulation uh, our friendship, where you knew Janice and I knew Janice, and I lived in the same building as Janice for a very long time. And so that triangulation also occurred, mm-hmm. where we were both very fond of her and she of both of us. And she very quickly, <laughs> we get very Jewish, and we start talking. And we say things like, oh, darling, darling. <laughs> and what happened is our little pet name for each other started to be darling. And then it got shortened the way pet names get shortened to Ling. Ling. So our families know this. Lisa's children know this. My children know this. My husband, Michael, knows this. We call each other Ling. Ling. And th- th- she is Ling and I am Ling because Ling. Ling is Darling. Darling. And we, it has also, I I don't have that with anybody like that, where that's, that is such a specific thing for you and me. And it's been that way for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, again, something that is, just seeing the word Ling, if you type the word Ling into a text or an email, it's always immediately I get put there. Now, something that just came up in the conversation was children. Oh, yeah. Um, that Kids, I got a lot of them. Well, it's how, again, another people, connection, another connection. We met when both of us uh, I was newly married. Lisa soon became newly married. Um, and then babies followed. The babies did follow. And um, Lisa 
although it isn't necessarily a tra- is it tradition in the Jewish religion to have a godparent? No, I don't think it's so. more traditional. I think in Catholicism because you're the whole idea is that you will basically stand in should anything happen to the parents, raise them with an understanding of ideas and precepts. Or raise them in the church. In the church and make sure that they have a good uh, religious upbringing, which is why it's called a godparent, that you will connect them to God in lieu of the parent should the parent perish. And that's, you choose that person is that. Now, as you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, when he became a young actor and I said to him, who's, you know, obviously I've been friends with Naomi and and knew Jake when he was tiny. And I remember when he became an actor and we were at a thing and I said, just, you know, I probably did it in a slightly uh, affected accent. And I think I said something like, look, I'm your celebrity godmother. You ever need me? You call me, you know my number. I've been around the block. <laughs> I know what, I know what my way around show off business and you feel free to call. And I think it was referred to for a long time as I was his celebrity godmother until one day somebody said, hey, I read that you're Jake Gyllenhaal's godmother. And, you know, the next thing I know, I'm now Maggie and Jake's godmother and proud to be so. It has nothing to do with religion. It has really to do with that special friend that is the friend of the mother who says, look out for my kids. Like you're the special person in their life that's going to look out for them um, as much as I am. We'll be right back with more Good Friend after this quick break. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. 
Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. When Lisa first became pregnant with her first child, she didn't. Did you name me godmother to Sam? You didn't. I thought it was Boko, and then it was Sam. It was Sam. Describe the night that he was born. Oh, yes. Yes, I will. Okay. So uh, just just for context so that our um, listener, um, <laughs> I'm imagining like, I'm imagining, imagining, I'm imagining one person. One sitting, person. Um, uh, and, it's, and it's not going to be anyone we're related to, I think. Well, I, I hope we have a listener. I hope so. So um, for the uninitiated listener, uh, I am the godmother of Lisa's three children, um, Sam, Boko, and Maisie, and am proudly their godmother and have loved having that relationship. And I want to talk in a minute about how that's expanded. But what happened when Sam was born is I happened, not by planning, right. but I happened to be brought to New York City for a promotion for something. I don't know what it was. I don't really remember. It was 31 I was doing, years ago. I was week. doing a lot of commercials. I might have been launching something for a commercial. Um, whatever I was doing, and I, it, it's irrelevant, I had happened to coincide with Lisa being, uh, giving birth and being in the hospital with her baby. And I went to visit, and for the uninitiated listener, I, I can take a picture uh, pretty well with a camera. I fashioned myself a good photographer, um, and I love it. And you work hard at it, by the way. I do work hard at it, and I get a little sweaty and grumpy, but I digress. So Lisa had Sam. Uh, Lisa and her husband, Stephen, were at the hospital. Um, I went to visit. And, you know, I don't, you know, you mentioned something about me being a celebrity. And I, you know, for for anybody who's listening, for you, one listener. For you, listener. You, for you, listener, I think you, if you're listening, you know that I don't wake up and look in the mirror and go like, mm, you're a Famous. Yeah. I just, it's not how I operate in the world. Right. I just, it's, I appreciate it and I appreciate all the benefits from it and all the rest of it. But I don't wake up with that as my primary purpose or primary thought. So because of that. I just showed up at the hospital, and I went in to take photographs. You wanted um, to take the first. I wanted to take a photograph. I visited Lisa, and and so she said, "Well, you're going to have to. They're going to kick everybody out." There was an announcement on the PA: "All visitors, please leave the floor. The babies are going to be brought out soon." And you know, we waited five minutes, and then they said, "Okay." Last chance, all visitors leave because babies are coming out. And so I said to Lisa, well, what do I do? She said, go hide in the shower. <laughs> so I went into the shower. There was a tiny bathroom and a little shower off of Lisa's room. So I went in there and I had my camera and it was around my neck and I was in there. And then you heard the announcement, babies are coming out, you know. And so then, you know, a minute later, two minutes later, a knock on the door. A nurse said, hi, here comes Sam. And she wheeled in the little, you know, bassinet, bassinet. Mm -hmm. and, and left, left the room. Left the room. And, you know, Lisa was now holding Sam. And I, the minute 
I heard the door shut. I jumped out of the bathroom. I, I was started shooting, and then I wanted to get that perfect image of the new mama with the baby and the husband. And so I climbed on the bed and stood over Lisa with my feet on either side of she her She was thighs. like Richard Avedon at Mount oh. Sinai. Yeah, let's <laughs> say it. Richard Avedon atop Mount Sinai. Okay. And I, I, you know, stood above her and Stephen and the baby. And I, I work with a Leica. It's a beautiful camera. I'm clicking away. Uh, you have to set the focus. You have to set the aperture. It's, you know, a little time. You know, you have to be doing it. I'm not a photojournalist. I can't just do it in my sleep. And I'm getting picture, picture, picture. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the door to the room flies open and I jump off the bed to the right, hit the ground and roll, roll under the bed. I am now rolled under Lisa's hospital bed, clutching a, this a, camera. On a floor that, you know, on a floor, a floor that, that was pretty clean, maybe. <laughs> it was pretty clean. And <laughs> just like in a movie, I could see the feet of the nurse walk in the room walk over to the side of the bed and I'm I'm hiding under the bed I'm breathing, breathing really quietly yeah. but you know I'm trying to be like <sighs> and the shoes stop and there's a beat and I hear this you can come out Jamie we know you're in here girl we all saw you come in and we know you didn't leave and I <laughs> rolled out from the bed and I looked up at this woman like hi I'm sorry I'm from California and this is my best friend and she just had a baby and I happened to be here in, in New York by accident and I'm a photographer and I just wanted to be the first person to photograph Lisa and her baby and I'm so sorry and I promise I'll leave now and anyway they they were delightful and then the coda to the story, just because it's a show about it's, it's, it's a, a show friend. about friendship. So yeah. I mean, the, you have to know but this she is what really she really it was it was a farce. I mean, if Joe Orton had written it, or if I mean, it was it was a moment. Definitely, it was, it was a moment. She so jumped and rolled. I, I did. will never forget that as long as I live. Just to, to put the coda on it. Um, the thing that happened is that there used to be something called like 24-hour photos or what was that place called? Yes, 24-hour photo booth. You know, but where you could one, go in and you could get it done in an hour. But this one that you went to was named for David Jansen for some reason, wasn't it? Yeah, it was something. It was something, something where weird. I was going to a business thing and I ran into this place and I gave him a roll of film. Not my good roll of film. It was another roll of film. It was from the other little camera and I said can you develop this in an hour it used to be it was one hour photo that's one what they called photo. it yes so right. used to be able to get one hour photo I would get these photos and so on my way back that night I finished my work and I remember it was I went and picked up the one hour photo had to do a business dinner I think and so it was about 10 o'clock which for me is the middle of the night and I remember pulling up to this hospital and I'm coming to the door, and the and the security guard said, "I'm sorry, visitor, visitors' hours uh, just closed or just ended." And I looked at him. I may have squeaked a tear, 
out of my wow. I am an actress after all and I it is part of my job is that when push comes to shove I can squeak out a tear I think I squeaked out a tear and said to him my best friend had a baby and I took these pictures and I just want to give them to her please I'm going can to I California just, I'm tonight. going back to California tonight or tomorrow morning can I please just Run up. I promise you I'll be up there two minutes. I just want to hand her these pictures. She's never seen a picture of her and her baby, and I took it. And blah, 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 blah. and the guy just looked at me and was like, come on in. And it was that moment. I remember I ran in your room. I kissed you. I handed oh. you these pictures. Oh, and this is before cell phones, we should tell people. Oh, yeah. This yeah, was, so this I didn't know you were coming. No, no. I just surprised yeah, her. It was yeah. late at night. Yeah. She had just given birth that day. Here I'm now giving her pictures to have, to be able to give to her family. It was it was that moment. It was definitely, for me, a solidifying moment of our friendship um, over the years. It, it was spectacular. And, it was. Uh, but I, you were spectacular. And you gave me that spectacular baby shower, too. Yeah. I, I, I loved that moment though because it really spoke of our friendship and how i think people go to great lengths to suit up and show up for each other and i think that's why people will that's why our listener is listening because i think they want to connect back to those feelings i do think that the pandemic has had an effect on us even though we are starting to be able to be in each other's company again the idea of thinking and talking about friendship and the ways friendship uh, affect you uh, become part of your life um, most of the time in a very positive, positive way. Certainly that has been the case with you and me. Yes, yes, I think so. I think it's true that in some ways our friendship is uh, could be to the, to the listener who doesn't know us very, um, very surprising and very very reassuring because number one, we kept it going. Number two, we're not in each other's worlds. Number three, we live far apart and on and on. And um, if you have a pause in a friendship or you lose a friendship or. And there have been times, let's be honest. I mean, there have been periods of maybe six months at a time where we have drifted. It's yes. not, and it's not out of a specific issue. It was a drift that when we reconnected it, it took a a moment or well, we did, two. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, so it, we had a, I guess we'd call it a rough patch that we didn't know we had until we until we talked about it. Yes, until we it. talked about it. And right. then we realized that some of that distance um, had actually eroded something and that needed to be somehow repaired and discussed the way a good friend would discuss. You wouldn't just jettison the friendship. You would, you would repair it and right. talk about it. And right. those were hard. And I remember them. And there were tears. And, you know, we both have had very big, dramatic things happen in our lives where we both uh, were able to share with each other. Um, the The part that I think is going to be a surprise to the listener is that I've also 
the expansion of the relationship with my godchildren has now yielded yeah. <laughs> like a whole new um, cottage industry yeah. in our friendship and our family's friendship. And that is this. About two years ago, um, Boko, the middle child, my middle godchild, who lives out in California and is a comedy writer, um, when she was home, somehow was going through some stuff that was in her old room and found a letter that Boko had written me, her godmother, when she was 12 years old. It said Jamie, written on the outside of the envelope. It was sealed. And stamped. And stamped, but it didn't have an address. And it was somehow in a box of stationery or something. And Lisa sent it to me. Now, when Lisa mentioned during the podcast that the handwriting is is immediate, Lisa's handwriting is immediate. I see it. I go, oh, letter from Lisa. And I ripped it open. And in it was this sealed letter that said, Jamie, which I opened. And as I opened it, it was a plaintiff letter from a 12-year-old girl who'd made a mistake at summer camp. Dear Godmother Jamie, and it goes on to say I made a mistake and I feel really bad and I wish you were here because then you'd I'd be able to talk to you about it and you'd know what to say and but whatever. It was a really sweet, perfect 12-year-old. It was on Lacoste stationery. What Lisa, what I didn't mention in the non-introduction is that Lisa's big success when she was a young, young woman was that she wrote the book, The Preppy Handbook. Now the listener is now going like, well, why didn't you mention that earlier? Oh, who cares? Well, it's not who cares, but as we've talked about, this is about friendship. It isn't necessarily, you know, what that friend does. But it's germane particularly here because your daughter had had a Lacoste – yeah. Um, you know, alligator on her stationery. And I remember I called Boko. I said, I got your letter. And she said, I know, right? And she no, didn't, she I don't think, know. remembered what I was in it. I didn't tell her that I oh, sent you, it to you. But so when I called her and said, I got this letter from camp from you, and I read it to her, I said to her, you know, Boko, this is a TV show. And what began as, you know, Boko, this is a TV show. At 6 a.m. when you called her. Became a message of this is a podcast. And we, in my little company, Comet Pictures, from which this very podcast that we are talking on is produced through, I, I started something in my 60s to sort of house all my ideas. That little idea for a podcast has become a very successful Audible. Sorry, iHeart. They probably will now kick me off of iHeart because I said no, the word Audible. No, no. Um, but it has become a very successful Audible scripted comedy podcast for tweens called Letters from Camp that is written entirely by Boko Haft, Lisa's middle child, my second godchild in that trifecta of godchildren. It's amazing. That's, that, that's, first it's on you. When I didn't know what the letter contained and 
I said to Boca when she was here, she hasn't been here since then, by the way, it's been so long. I said, well, let's open it and see. No, no, I don't want to. And I guess when she saw it, she must have thought the reason I didn't send it was because I must have been embarrassed. So I don't want to revisit it. Right, right. But I didn't think of embarrassment. I thought of just how sweet that she was writing to you from camp. It's certainly, it's hard, it's hard for a parent to get a kid to write a letter to them. And it was nice for me to know that you were somebody she was writing to. And I know you wrote back to her too, and all the kids, but how I would, you know, I was the godmother who would send you know, Tiger Beat magazines yes. and seventeen and tarts and sweet tarts, and then they would yeah. write and say that they've confiscated <laughs> the sweet tarts because we can't have candy at camp. And I liked a good care package. Yes. I will be. I am that godmother. I yes. am a good care package sender. So you sure are. I I did enjoy that. But out of this letter has now come possibly a TV show, yeah. definitely a podcast, and. Definitely a successful entertainment. Successful entertainment. And it's all written by Boko from this spark of an idea between the two of us that this could be something other than just a letter from a 12-year-old girl from camp. And so, and Sam is the part of it. And uh, Maisie, who is your youngest, who is still on the East Coast. I just keep hoping that one of these days we're going to lure her out here to California and then all three will be working on this show and um, it will have only been born because you and I reached our hands out to each other when we were in our 20s and new, new life was happening for both of us. And it was you know, it's one of the most delicious aspects of our friendship is that we've had enough space to allow me to now be friends with your children, independent of you. Yes. Um, independent of of anything besides my own relationship with them. That, as always, when you're trying to get somebody to know somebody young, you know, it, 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 you can't force it. You know, you can simply extend your hand and say, I think you're cool. I love you. I'm here for you, um, which is uh, what I try to do with people. So, but it's it's so amazing to me. Um, and the reason, obviously, the minute I knew I was going to do a podcast called Good Friend, I called you because it's such a, it's such an important relationship in my life. And the distance between us, the difference in our lives and our backgrounds, um, the the connection that we made, which is I- indelible, really, uh, with each other's families, you here with Chris particularly, me, you know, with your mom, your dad, your family's story, the the profound dedication to your family that you and your children have and feeling privileged to be included into them. Um, And, you know, that's another aspect of, of friendship that is crucial is that it's friendship, but it's family. And ultimately you don't want to just know, I think to be a really good friend is I want to know all of it. 
I want to know you. I want to know your mom. I want to know your dad. I want to know your brothers. I want to know your kids. And that's how the the sort of circle just gets expanded and expanded. Um, it's a lot of shoes. It's a lot of shoes a lot of, shoes. lot of people. I, I will say that um, there is a lovely feeling of warmth. And I think there's probably a Jewish word for it, a Yiddish word for like this that I feel when uh, I, I find out that, oh yeah, Sam composed a sea shanty for you, or, oh yeah, Boko and you have a conference call with the network or, oh yeah, they're, you know, it does feel, even though it may be just a quick work thing, but you've chosen to work with them. And it's a connection that is very meaningful to me. I, I fell. I believe the word is nachas. <gasps> you are right. I believe you get nachas from that knowledge I that do. our good friendship has borne a good friendship between me and your children. Yes, yes. And for that... I'm grateful to you. Uh, I'm I'm getting so much nachas right now that I have no. to do kegels. You know, <laughs> the other thing is, I, okay, I just have to say, I wish I knew your kids better. I wish I did. I have a tremendous feeling of fondness for them. Of course. But it's, it's not the, the same. The universe didn't. No. The universe didn't allow that kind of we had that one trip uh to the mountains where uh uh um there was a nickname given oh yes my child yes yes and yes by your children my kids love him right or them yeah but um but it's it's i think there's a there's look it's that's right there was that trip yep so we could do this, obviously, we could do this for a very long time. What you need to know is that you are a good friend, Lisa Bernbach, and I love you. And I'm grateful that you would take some time and um, come and talk with my listener. To, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, at, at your listener. At my listener. And I wish for anybody listening that they... Get friendship shoes with a friend as uh, as good a friend as as Lisa um, and me. So Aww, thank you for beautiful. being here. Stay thank safe, you. everybody. Stay safe, listener. And um, you know, <laughs> as be well. Prince, as as not Prince Archie Mountbatten Windsor likes to say, hydrate <laughs> and drive safely. <laughs> Good Friend is produced by Dylan Fagan and is a production of iHeartRadio. Our theme song, Good Friend, is written, produced, and performed by Emily King.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. No one likes to talk about money. Am I saving enough? Can I buy a house? Am I paying too much in taxes? Will I be able to retire? What if you could unlock insights about your finances in less than five minutes with a clear picture of where you stand today and where your money can work harder? Now you can. Visit facet.com to take the free quiz and get your financial wellness score today. That's F-A-C-E-T.com. This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.